This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast brought to you by Art Wiederman, CPA with Ide Bailey. Whether it's taxes and investing or planning wisely, Art is the expert to make your dental practice profitable. At Ide Bailey, what inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting and advisory services dedicated to the total care of your practice. Visit our website to access our tools and resources tailored for dentists, idebailey.com slash dentist. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash dentist. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Art Wiederman, CPA, and Ide Bailey, LLP are not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. If you have questions and or feedback, make sure to email Art over at awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. You can also give Art a call at 657-279-3243. Without further delay, here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman, CPA. I'm your host, Art Wiederman, and I am a dental division director at the CPA firm of Ide Bailey. I'm uh, located in Southern California, uh, and welcome to the podcast. And we have a really special show. This is going to be fun for me because uh, this is going to be the Ide Bailey Brain Trust today. So uh, we're recording this in early February of 2022, and uh I hate to tell you guys, but it's time to start putting your income tax information together. Now, if you remember back in 20, um, 2020 and 2021, we had this pandemic thing going on. I, you know, I know it's still going on, but we had this going on and the IRS put off the filing deadline or they didn't put up the filing deadline. Well, there, there's no delays this year. You will have to file your tax returns by the uh, regular deadlines, which we're going to get into in a little bit. But uh, my guests today are two dear friends of mine, uh, Scott Haberman, who's a partner in uh, our Fort Collins, Colorado office and specializes in working with dentists. Uh, And uh, Don Watson, who is my uh, right arm partner in crime here in our Tustin office. And the three of us are going to talk to you about what's going on a little bit in dentistry. We're going to talk to you about what you need to do to get ready, um, it's be kind to your CPA year. It's be, In fact, I'm going to say it's be kind to your CPA decade, folks. So we're going to kind of help you get through uh, tax filing for 2021, which is due in March and April before you turn around. Uh, but before we do that, I want to go through a little bit of information and uh, announcements. So first of all, please make sure to go on to the website of our wonderful, wonderful partner, Decisions in Dentistry magazine. Um, I've worked with Decisions in Dentistry and Lorraine Kent's group for now over two years. Uh, They've been uh, partners with us in this podcast, and uh, I can't say enough nice things about them. Their clinical content and their magazine is second to none. Their advisory board is a who's who in dentistry. Uh, You can get 140 continuing education classes uh, for a very, very reasonable price. And they've got a lot of really new and neat stuff coming out. So go to their website, www.decisionsindentistry.com. Uh, also, my mothership is the Academy of Dental CPAs. We formed that group about 20 years ago. And um, if you're looking for a dental CPA, we at Ide Bailey, uh, we, work, uh, we work with over 1,000 dentists. And the ADCPA has got 24 firms all over the country that work with about 10,000. And uh, their website is www.adcpa.org. A uh, couple of things I want to remind everybody about. This is really, really important. This might be more important, I hate to say this to my two friends on the other end of uh, of this call, but this might be the most important thing I tell you in this podcast. For those of you who received more than $10,000 from the HHS Provider Relief Fund, between July 1 of 2020 and December 31 of 2020. And that's going to be virtually every one of you. If you did receive that amount of money during that period, you have to report on the HHS Provider Relief Funds portal. You have to report information on lost revenues and expenses 
to prepare um, to prepare for uh, and respond to the coronavirus uh, on or before, please write this date down, March 31st. If you don't, you will have to give back probably tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. The good news is that we did a webinar. Many of you who listen to this podcast were on the recording on January 21st. And what we did was we went through every step of the HHS Provider Relief Fund, um, both the rules and the portal, page by page, line by line. Uh, we uh, allotted two hours. It turned out two and a half hours. If you want to acquire the recording of that webinar so that you can do this reporting, send me an email at a Wiederman, W-I-E, D-E-R-M-A-N at idbailey.com. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. And we'll get you the, the link to register and the recording is there. So you got about a little less than two months to do this, folks, if you listen to this when the podcast comes out here in early February. The other thing I will tell you is that for those, we've been doing the employee retention tax credit Um our group out of Tustin has done about 100 dental practices. We're pushing towards $4 million in credits. Uh, if you had a greater than 20% reduction in your gross receipts in any of the first three quarters of 2021 versus the same quarters in 2019 or the fourth quarter of 2020 versus the fourth quarter of 2019, greater than 20% reduction, the numbers are getting silly. We, I, I was working on one of these today, folks. Um, about 20 employees, two location practice. Uh, we got over $240,000 in tax credits. It, it's it's almost like <laughs> the government is raining money again. When does this end? So I'd like to encourage you to to go and do that. And before I introduce Don and Scott, I want to. I, I do know that a lot of our Ide Bailey clients listen to our podcast, and I want to thank all of you from the bottom of my heart. Um, for the trust and uh, that you have put into Don and Pam Chamberlain and Scott and, and the rest of us at, at, at Ide Bailey to help uh, to help our dentists. Uh, we take what we do very seriously. Um, you know, Don and I, we, we talk every day. Um, I consider him a dear friend. And, and we, we talk about how, you know, oh, gosh, I woke up at two o'clock in the morning worrying about Dr. Smith again. OK, there we go. You know. So I just want to thank all of you, uh, again, from the bottom of my heart for the trust and faith that you've put in us. And I, I hope that the information we put out in this podcast has been helpful to you in growing your business. And, and it's, a, uh, it's a call to action, folks. Be sure to check out our new Ide Bailey podcast, Ebb and Flow, a business podcast providing inspired insight on issues and trends the middle market faces. Hear unique business stories, get answers to frequently asked and unasked questions, and understand business topics that matter to you. Available now on your favorite podcast platform. So, with no further ado, I'm going to bring on my two good friends, Scott Haberman, who is a partner at Ide Bailey in Fort Collins, Colorado. Hey, Scott, how you doing? I'm wonderful, Art. Thanks for having me. So, what's the temperature in Fort Collins today? It's a brisk uh, 10 degrees, and we got almost a foot of snow in the last 24 hours. So we are uh, we are enjoying our uh, our winter so far. Sweet. And in contrast, Don Watson, who is a partner at Ide Bailey in our dental division in uh, Tustin, California. How you doing, Don? Doing great too. Thanks, Art, for having me on. And hey, Scott. Yeah, uh, yeah, we got a little bit of a contrast here and that we're probably running in the upper 60s, but with the breeze, it's in the low 60s, so it doesn't feel quite as warm, but still much better than Scott is. Oh, man. <laughs> so now Scott, yeah, I can tell Scott. Scott and Don won't be talking to each other for a while. So <laughs> but anyway, um, Don and Scott work uh, almost exclusively as, as I do with dentists. And what we're going to talk about today, everybody, is we're going to talk about, first of all, kind of their observations on what they're seeing with their clients in general about, you know, what's going on in their dental practices. Because remember, we're talking to lots and lots of dentists every single day. And then we're going to get into some of the things about tax season and what you have to be prepared for and, and how you're going to make it easy, hopefully, for your CPA to get your taxes done and maybe some tips on how we can save you some money. 
So let me start off by, uh, hey, Scott, why don't you give us a little bit of a background on uh, what your journey has been? And then we'll let Don do the same. You all know my story. But uh, Scott, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Thanks, Art. Um, So starting off, I uh, began my career in the Seattle, Washington market and really cut my teeth in the joys of public accounting in uh, that part of the country. And really as a jack of all trade, kind of master of none focus in uh, in taxes. So helped with a lot of manufacturers, real estate developers and uh, tech startups and so forth. Um, And over the past five years or so, really uh, narrowed down my focus to the dental industry. Um, A, number one, because I have a lot of family in the industry and B, a lot of my friends are uh, in that industry. And so, you know, why not uh, combine uh, my clients too and uh, make it a good trifecta? And so uh, it's been a a strange journey. I didn't think I'd see myself here, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, But I love, I love my clients. Uh, I love the client base. Uh, They're great people just true, true stand-up individuals. And uh, they're very fun to get creative and work on things together and try to solve uh, problems and, you know, increase the dollars in their pocket after, you know, the payments to, you know, States and uh, Uncle Sam. So it's been a good journey and I'm enjoying the ride. And you are a Washington Husky, is that correct? Uh, fortunately, uh, at certain <laughs> times of the, the last decade, yes, unfortunately for the last year, I, yeah, I am a Washington Husky. All right. Well, you know, what can I tell you? We're, I'm a, I'm a, I went to Long Beach state, but I, uh, our football team has been undefeated since 1993 when the football program ended. So I now am a, an SC, uh, I'm an SC guy, but it was kind of hard to be an SC and although that might change, but we could talk football all uh, all this entire podcast. We won't. So, uh, Don Watson, tell us about your journey. Sure, Art. Yeah, I'm New Jersey raised and uh, moved to West Virginia for about 20 years in Jersey and uh, finished up my schooling there. I went to Marshall University. Uh, we are Marshall. Anybody seen that movie? That's uh, where I went to school. And uh, met a wife, started a job, and was there for the next 25 years. And uh, wife and I decided one day to pick up and leave, and uh, now been in California for seven years. But like Scott, I worked with service industries, I worked with retail, worked with you know rentals, stuff of that nature, and uh, after I got out here, did a little bit uh, strictly in tax department until I met you about five years ago, and uh, now I've had a chance to hone my tax and accounting skills to be more specific in the dental industry, and it's been a great opportunity. I've enjoyed everything you've been able to teach me, and uh, working with the clients that we do and uh, been very, very rewarding. Well, I will tell you guys, joking aside, it's a pleasure and an honor to work with both of you. Uh, you guys are just off the charts fantastic. So let's start talking about, uh, see what we can do to help our doctors. So first, I'm going to let each of you take a little shot. Scott, give us your observation. I mean, you work with what, maybe, I think you've told me maybe what, 100 dentists, 125, something like that. Yeah. Maybe more. Yeah. And and what are you seeing now? You're in you're in Colorado. So you're working with dentists in Colorado, maybe in some surrounding states. What are you seeing there in the in the Midwest as far as how are the dentists doing? Some observations. Yeah, yeah. So my my client base, you know, fortunately, and so I get a good picture across the country, is is really spread out across all the states. I'd say probably about. Uh, 15% of my clients are are here in Colorado, and the rest are are spread out anywhere from New York to Arizona to even California, um, down to Florida. So, and everywhere in between. And you know, looking at all of them and how they've been doing, you know, since that oh awful you know the shutdown when it first started, you know, the the sky was falling for everybody in the world at that time. Uh, but particularly our, our dentists. I mean, you're, you're closing your doors, you're cutting off their their lifeline and how they're feeding their family and and such. And so, you know, when when things started opening up and they opened up big time as as the floodgates opened, they started doing fantastic, better than they've ever done before. Um, a lot of my docs, they're kind of in expansion mode, and so some of them were at the point of okay, let's tap the brakes, let's let's uh, get things even out a little bit and stabilize income and, and make sure we're kind of operating at all cylinders. And so some of those folks are sitting at the position where you know they're 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 waiting to expand a little bit more as they're um, kind of getting things equalized in their practice. And then you got folks who 
um, or saying, okay, well, this is enough for me. This has been a, a headache for the last couple of years. I'm out of here. Only a couple of those folks. And I think that they had other things going on in their lives where it was time to, to uh, cash their chips in. And, oh, oh. You know, but uh, most of them uh, are doing great across the board. Um, they're having the best years of their uh, careers and have had higher collections months and uh, you know expenses haven't grown uh, at the same pace. And so they're having amazing, amazing last year and a half where it's pretty exciting to work with them and also utilizing government benefits to help them and uh, replenish those cash reserves. Obviously, like you were talking about during their podcast a year and a half ago, you know, making sure that war chest is filled up and, um, you know, preparing for further expansion down the road potentially. And so mm-hmm. I think across the board, it's been a, it's been a really good year for my docs and, um, it's, it'll be exciting to see what this next year holds too. Okay. And so Don, I mean, our most, most all of our clients for the most part are in California, Southern California. What are you seeing? You're looking at financial statements every, every day, pretty much. So what, what are you seeing? Yeah, I, I would echo a lot of what Scott said. And you're right. You know, we probably have a little bit more of the core clients that we work with here in Southern Central California. Um, you know, maybe you can have 15, 20% in other states, but we stretch across the country as well. But I think we found ourselves surprised when you and I were sitting down doing tax planning at the end of 2020. And the fact that the cash balances, the the bottom lines, a lot of them weren't as severely hit as we thought they might be. And um, I think what we found is we have a lot of great clients that were also business people at the time, not just dentists. And while they were getting the program monies that were offered out there, because we you know the government threw in everything in the kitchen sink, they were you know sending out the idols and the PPPs and doing things personally and whatnot. And the docs were being mindful as business people that if our revenue's down, we have to watch what we're doing from an expense standpoint. How can we rene- renegotiate and work with the the lenders on the debts that we have? How can we work with our landlords in uh, paying our rent? How can we you know, maybe lay off a person or two and let them use the unemployment system, whatever it is. But if they were able to work their expenses at the same time that their income was taking a little bit of a dive, we found at the end of the year, the profits and the cash and stuff like that weren't as far off as we thought. And then we get into 21 and it just bounces back even further. So uh, no, I, I can say I'm pretty proud of the, the client base that we work with because they, they came through this by and large pretty well. Yeah, and, and and I want to make a just a point. Uh, I I agree, but doctors, I I want you to remember that number one, we are going through what's called the Great Resignation. Four point three million people changed jobs in in December of twenty twenty one. That that's crazy for lots of reasons. We could spend an hour talking about that. But the number one point that I want to make about this is, yeah, the doctors are doing better, but you need to do a a really, really good job in communicating with your employees, seeing how they're doing, making sure they're happy working for you. Because I'm going to tell you, they're watching the news just like Don and Scott and I are watching. And you need to be making sure that they don't want to go anywhere else. And a lot of times it's not about money. So, that that's my that's my take on it also. So, so guys, let's let's get into talking about uh, uh, about taxes here. Okay, it's tax season now, right? So until the last two years, deadlines haven't changed. So, okay, so you guys are in the in the trenches. You're doing tax returns. Uh, talk about the best way for these for our clients to accumulate their data. So we send out a tax organizer every year, probably in January. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, what what would you say? Um, you know, it's got all the stuff from last year. So kind of Scott, start talking a little bit about you know how do we. How do you like your clients to get information to you? So, you know, the, it, it's January, it's February now. We got to get taxes filed by April and uh, you know, we, we'd like to get them in. Our, so give, what, what do you do in the process? What are you telling clients about accumulating? How do they accumulate the stuff? I, I tell them, you know, send me one piece of information every week for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And, and, and bring it in. Come drive into the office, drive down in 10, 10 degrees with three feet of snow on the ground, and go ahead and bring it in there, right? And, and, and bring a pizza while you're doing it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's uh, like like you guys have mentioned, uh, tax organizer, it, it, it helps you kind of put all that documentation together, uh, accumulate it. 
And then, you know, once it's you know pretty much almost all the way there, send it in to us. And, you know, if your stuff is electronic, and that's going to make it so much easier. That's where the world is heading. That's where it is right now is electronic. And so if you can make things efficient for you, uh, you know, saving money on postage, saving time driving to and from an office to drop stuff off, I mean, try to go as electronic as much as possible. And we do have that opportunity to uh, receive your organizer electronically for you to fill it in electronically. And so, you know, if you want to move to that option, we can definitely do that. Uh, but I think a lot of our clients, you know, still prefer the the paper option. Um, but, you know, put your stuff in a file throughout the year that's 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 paper and then, you know, set up a different inbox in your in your email and stash those you know, those emails that you're getting that are tax related. And then once it's all said and done, the year's over, well, there you go. Let's uh, let's let's accumulate that information and send it in to us. Um, but yeah, try to try to get it all together in one fell swoop and and uh, avoid the you know, the piecemeal. Um, just because you know, we, yeah, we're dealing with hundreds of clients at one time, and we want to make sure that we don't miss anything and that we're focused on your work and are able to you know get everything together and make it efficient for you too. Um, and just make sure we get you the best answer at the end of the day, even though a lot of our planning is during the year, it's not after the year ends, but still, uh, we want to make sure that, you know, we see everything and we can help you out and lower your tax liability, um, as much as possible. Yeah. And Don, we, we have the ability that Scott was talking about electro- using technology and you know how good I am at technology, right, Don? Yeah. So I'm, so I'm one step above Scott. I prefer you to take a picture on your cell phone and send me a picture one at a time <laughs> at, my, uh, at, my, at my cell phone so I can download it from there. Exactly. No. There you go. Uh, no, but, but we have the ability to download. We have the ability for the clients to upload you know, their W-2s and, and not only the organizer, but the other stuff, right, Don? Yeah. And I'll tell you, and it's funny because we had this conversation last week with a with a dear client and, and what they prefer. And Scott's right. Uh, you know, We certainly have clients that have a preference. We as a big firm and a lot of firms just have thought through this over the years of what's the the best, most streamlined way to handle this process. And because we're in the 21st century, it's technology. And we have a portal here at Odd Bailey. So our goal is to provide stuff out and get stuff in using the portal. And for instance, this year, a lot of mine are put on the portal, the organizers. Fill them out. You can leave them there. On top of that, you can add all your documents, which we can download. Because at the end of the day, everything that we keep is going to be electronic form. So if it begins there when it hits our doorstep, then we're already we've already done half the battle. But if it comes in paper form and that's just you know what you prefer, you don't have a scanner. Yeah, we can make it happen. So just we always have that alternate route we can go. We just try to you know, hopefully you know, skin this cat the you know the best way that we can. So so and it's real important, guys, that that we we again, you know, nobody likes to do taxes. Nobody wants to do their estate plan. Um, but the fact is, is that in a CPA office, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the fact of the matter is, is that if everybody sent their tax stuff in on the seventh of April, that well, you've got a week to get it done. I have people say you've got a week to get it done. Yeah, but there's two hundred other people who have got the same opinion. So the sooner you can get the stuff in, I will tell you, you guys, we're a little less stressed on the 2nd of February when we're recording this podcast than we are on the 2nd of March or the 20th of March, right? And a little less brain dead, too. Exactly. (laughs) And and, and it's funny you mentioned, because today was our tax season kickoff day, at least in our office. Every every office in our firm does it at at different intervals and at different lengths. But for instance, we talked about the business returns due on March 15th and, and the personal returns and other things due on April 15th. We have a three-week window out where we really need that information in. Otherwise, it's hard to guarantee getting a return done because you got to understand when stuff comes in, by the time you you get through it, you, you ask the questions, you put it into a return form and get it out, it usually takes a few weeks. So if you get it to us two weeks out, it's just sometimes impossible to get through that process, unfortunately. So yeah. everybody that's individual clients of ours, for instance, we'll see that in our organizer. That date is in there uh, in case you happen to miss it. There you go. So so let's get into some things, some a little bit of technical stuff. So we have a lot of our clients are S corporations. I know Don's and mine are because in in the state of California, you are not allowed by law to operate a dental practice as an LLC or an LLP or an LL anything. Uh, Scott, I think it might be a little different in your neck of the woods where we have people who are PLLCs and stuff like that. 
So let, let's talk to our, our S corporation shareholders. So I'm going to, I'm going to let each of you hit one of the topics here. So Scott, talk about why a taking a reasonable salary from your S corporation is so important. Oh man. Well, reasonable salary. How do you define that art? Uh, that's, that's a term of art, right? So that's, <laughs> that's right in your bucket. Of, yes. Yeah. Well, so. well, reasonable salary. I mean, I always say reasonable salary. I've always been one who said, you know, half salary, half distributions in an S corp. So if a doctor makes 300,000, 150,000 salary, 150,000 in distributions, nobody's going to give you a problem like that. But on the other hand, yeah. um, I, I've, I've been expert witness in about 15 court cases and I've, I've gotten into the ADA's, um, uh, books of statistics in, out of the uh, ADA office in Chicago. And the average dentist who is working as an employee is making uh, somewhere between a hundred and probably a hundred and forty and two hundred thousand dollars depends on the part of the country. If yeah. it's a specialist, some make more. Um, so you know, yeah. I mean, but from a realistic standpoint, is it a good idea for a doctor to take no salary in an S corp? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so maybe some background on that. So most most docs will elect to be taxed as an S corporation uh, because there is a great uh, employment tax savings there. And so the IRS, when you elect to be taxed as an S corporation, they say, congratulations, you're an S corp. Make sure you pay yourself a reasonable salary, right? And so, okay, they ask their CPA, well, what's what's a reasonable salary? Okay, well, you know, if the IRS were to ever come look at you, they'd say, what would you pay uh, you know, Dr. A down the street to do the same job that you're performing. And so that's kind of where I start. Uh, but really, the IRS wants their employment taxes. And, you know, to really kind of hedge our bets and make sure we're, we're, we're staying a little more risk averse, I tell my docs, pay yourself at least um, the Social Security limit of around $145,000 these days. And then let's kind of work from there. Uh, are you investing for the future? Are you retaining cash to expand? Okay, well, maybe we pull that down some, or you know, maybe we're just taking a ton of distributions and okay, well, we can't take zero salary and take $400,000 of distributions. The IRS might look at you. Have I see, seen a reasonable comp study in the last couple of years? No, but there's nobody working at the IRS. So uh, <laughs> there's no audits going on these days. That's uh, right. So, so you know, even though, you know, your friend down the street might be writing off uh, the gold that he's buying for uh, his basement to put in the safe and, and some guns that he's storing uh, offsite in his, in his fallout shelter. Well, uh, that's because the IRS hasn't been really conducting any audits. Um, so they're you happening. Can't, you can't do that? <laughs> Not, uh, as I tell all my clients, everything is deductible. I didn't deductible. know that. God, everything is, you guys every day. Everything is deductible until you get caught. Uh, so... So for reasonable compensation, there's various factors to pay yourself lower. There's also various factors to pay yourself higher. If you have a, you know, a profit share plan with a 401k and maybe looking at cash balance and supercharging that, um, there might be a reason to pay yourself a higher salary. And so it all depends on your situation, really. Yeah. And so, Don, there's another side to this, this section 199A. So if we pay too big of a salary, is that good or bad? How does that work? Yeah, so the 199A, which came about from the, uh, the the Tax Act at the end of 2017, I believe was implemented for the first year of 18, was based upon the uh, the amount of pass through income. Uh, the whole you know, people also nickname it the pass through the the pass through deduction, 20%. So the goal there was to have a number that you could work with to get this 20% deduction. But now you have this push and pull between these two philosophies of you know, where do you go from a salary standpoint? And, and Scott's right, he touched on most of them. Um, hell, I used to have, heck, I used to have a, a part managing partner who said anything that's on that line for officer compensation would fly as long as it's populated with something. Uh, I've been doing this since my 30th, 30th tax season and I've never had an audit based upon that. So go back to Scott's comment, it's only wrong if you get caught or somebody challenges it. But you can make a case for any numbers good you can make a case for 50-50, like Art said. You can make a case for hitting the Social Security limit. You can make a case because you're trying to work retirement. So there's anything along that spectrum that makes sense. But one person's situation could be different than another. Uh, you know, maybe you sell other ancillary items like water picks and whatnot. So you're making money off that. You have other associates working for you. You have a strong hygiene department. So what are your services worth? Well, maybe you're only working three days a week, and therefore your salary is maybe deserving of 125000 out of a $400,000 profit. 
you could, as long as you make a strong case and you put it in your file, I think that gives you the opportunity to defend it, you know, without much regret. Now, now on this 199A, it's a pretty sweet deduction, isn't it, Don? I mean, there, there's a sweet spot for dentists. We got to keep their income, what is it, under, I think it's under 400, and, well, we're trying to keep it under about, what, 330,000? I don't remember what the number is for this year. 330 to 430 is the phase-out range. So, you know, you basically are, are losing a portion for every bit of that $100,000 you cross over. So, if you can stay below the 330 and adjust to gross income on your tax return, your personal return, then yeah, you're going to be in pretty good shape for getting the the most benefit you can out of that deduction, whatever it is to offer you. But whatever it offers you, as you get over the 330, then it starts going down and down and down, eventually to zero, should you exceed the 430 number. Right. So if I've got if I've got a dental practice I did really well, patients are coming back, I'm making uh, you know four hundred and thirty thousand uh, dollars, and I've got an S corporation, right? Right. Okay, so so Don, do I? I mean, the the 199A works better if I have a lower salary, right? Because I got more going to the bottom line, and that how it works. That's correct. So uh, yes, yeah, so if you're taking out less, then you're going to leave more. That's the pass through amount, the pass through amount which has the 20% calculated. But again, it's you know, you, now you have to consider what it is that you are going to be doing with salary, and does it cross the line of some other uh, item that you're trying to accomplish? Right. So. Well, one part's a deduction. One thing could be retirement. It could be reasonable compensation from an S corp standpoint. It could be, uh, you know, meeting, trying to meet some other need uh, that has to be considered. Yeah. So the so the the whole point, folks, is that when you're looking at set, you were at the beginning of the year setting your salary, you don't just do what you did last year. Take a look and see if it's the right salary for you based on retirement, 199A, reasonable comp. All right. Let's talk about deductions. I mean, I. <laughs> First of all, I'll ask each of you. So, Don, what's the strangest deduction you've ever seen a client want to take? Think, think about you've been doing this thirty years. You said, "Come, well, up, come can, up with a winner." Well, I'll tell you. I know you've told me a couple stories from from yeah. clients that you've had. Uh, there is one when I used to work in our physician uh, division, and uh, there was a doctor over there. And one of my bookkeepers is working with me, and she comes over and starts t- telling me about what she's seeing on there. And so as she starts asking the the doctor owner, what is this that was going on in there? And turned out that there was the doctor hired somebody to bring a pony for a child's birthday party. And for the doctor that they invited colleagues of theirs, and therefore it was a marketing slash business development event. But they were trying to put the the party for the for their child on air with all the fixins to write it off as a business expense. So as we know, that kind of fits more in the entertainment, even if you could get into the business realm. <laughs> Otherwise, if it's not even a business now, expense, then as we Don, all know, it Don, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're, you're the head of our dental division, and there's uh-huh. there's a PL and we have a chart of accounts, and pony expense goes right between dental supplies and lab. Don't you know that? Well, I guess us. No, I'd probably put it right beneath uh, prom- promotion, <laughs> alphabetical order. I think that fits better. <laughs> okay. All right. So so let's talk about deductions. And 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 I know that some people pay expenses personally and they, they reimburse. But, Scott, that's important is like, you know, maybe some deductions that our doctors maybe aren't thinking about that they should, you know, they, they, they carry a personal business credit card. And, and you know, maybe they just have the personal card and they go and they buy stuff for the practice and they did. I mean, how do we account for all that kind of stuff? Well, maybe going back to my favorite deduction art. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> I'll keep it I've short. never done a podcast before. This is all new to me. So I'm sorry. Your favorite deduction. I've completely forgot. I'm sorry. I was, I was looking through the detail and I, I, I now stopped looking through the detail of the uh, activity during the year. Uh, I just stick to the face of the income statement and balance sheet now, but I saw networking and I was flipping through that because it looked pretty high. And I kept on seeing this reoccurring charge of adult friend finder. And <laughs> I accidentally looked up that adult website friend finder. At, at the office and I probably shouldn't have looked at that website. And so I closed that website and I, I moved on. Uh, so that, that was a uh, friend finder. My, so what uh, category did you put that on, on the 1120S? <laughs> that might've been more of the entertainment. Entertainment. There you go. Employee benefits. Oh, we could anyways, do this all day. Uh, <laughs> so any, so. anytime I, I tell my dogs, like, Hey, if you're going to buy something for the business, make sure to use the, the business checking account, 
the business credit card and so forth. Try to stay away from using your personal uh, cards just because keep it all in one spot so you don't have to track a bunch of pieces of information, but it happens. And so uh, to really get that captured on your business tax return, you got to submit that expense for reimbursement. And so it falls under what's called an accountable plan. Just like we have at our CPA firm, we have an accountable plan that's laid out there and it's in your, I think it's in your employee handbook and um, it's within the business records that you submit you know, your receipts to the business and, and the backup of, okay, here's what this was for and you get reimbursed. And so the company will reimburse you. So cash is leaving the company and that lands on the, the PL as well as an expense, depending on the category you spend the, uh, the money on. And so if you're doing stuff outside of your company credit card or, or, uh, or bank account, make sure that you, you let your CPA know, let Don or I or anybody else on the dental team know, hey, I, I spent all this money uh, on my personal credit card. I want to make sure we capture this on the, on the tax return because every dollar counts, right? Especially in California. I'd also stress the other side. Um, you know, we're very regimented in the fact that you, know, you might be out and about and you've got the corporate checkbook, the corporate credit card, and then we see expenses that are of a personal nature that appear on the P&L and the balance sheet. What? So No one does that, Don. Come on. Don, is, it just my, is it just my clients? <laughs> I must not be, your clients. Must not be a good trainer. Come on, stop it, man. <laughs> so it's very important that, uh, you know, Scott said, if you got two credit cards, I always keep one credit card business only, one credit card personal only. I, I get that sometimes you're out and you just don't have that wallet or you can't locate it, whatever. But it just keeps the, the waters from being too muddied. Uh, and us trying to figure out what's on there that shouldn't be, and vice versa. So, yeah, what so you can do- I, I want to talk. I want to talk a little bit now about kind of you know you know doctors. Sure, you want to write off everything that's legally allowable, okay? But let's talk about reporting income now. I, I have a you know joking aside. My, my my joke is that you know like my golf score, all tax returns are quoted approximately, right? <laughs> but um, but when we talk about reporting income, Don, I'm going to throw this one at you. I mean, what is our opinion about? I mean, we, we get doctors that say, oh, I don't I don't deposit the cash or I don't put everything in. Or how does that work? I mean, if the IRS gets wind of that, how does that work? Well, I've always been in the mindset, and, and I got this question yesterday just about audits in general. And you know, many times audits come in under one umbrella, but they might expand depending on what the IRS sees. And you know, certainly you don't want to open up a Pandora's box by doing something which you feel is you know, very innocuous. And all of a sudden that's, that turns into something more because if they don't trust you doing one sort of activity, one type of transaction, then they're going to probably want to look at other things. But no, we're, we're very stern with, you know, the business brings in what it brings in. And, you know, we know there's certain types of businesses like bars, for instance, and, and restaurants where there's a lot of cash floating around and it's easy for those things to happen. Um, doesn't happen as much in, you know, the service industry, when you the professional services, because most of the time credit cards are paying, insurance is paying. But we do get clients that talk about anywhere between ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year, depending on their specialty and how they ask for payment, could come into the front desk and front front desk puts it in a drawer and a doctor might at the end of the week or end of the month go, Oh, here's fifteen hundred dollars and you know, just ends up in the pocket and then we've then we realize that you know, we've got revenue that's just kind of circumvented the whole system. And that's not our desire. We, we certainly want to be the best advisors we can. And not that 15000 a year might change the whole outlook of things, but being part of your numbers just helps us see the picture for what it is versus it just being behind the scenes and never being reported. So, so Scott, I, I've always been of the attitude of, if you're going to be aggressive and try and cut your tax bill, be aggressive on the deduction side, but report all your income. What, what do you tell your clients? I'm sure you've had one or two clients yeah. who've said, gee, do I really have to report this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and and it goes back to, you know, the IRS has a matching system too. And they tried to institute it a couple of years ago. I think maybe it's more a couple of years ago, maybe it's 10 years ago, where they uh, started a rule for 1099Ks for credit card processors. And on the tax return, they wanted you to lay out, you know, what was reported on the 1099Ks and then what was reported uh, outside of those. And so it's, you know, it's, it's going to be, you know, only a matter of time until they start doing that. Uh, they put the brakes on it for one reason or another, but they're going to start doing that. And um, it's going to be, it's going to be tough to get around that income uh, uh, reporting issue, but yeah, be aggressive with your expenses 
don't mess around with income. My my father actually ran a business a number of years ago, and his CPA from back in the day said, um, do not mess with income, but we can play around with expenses and be creative there. So I agree. I have a, I have a story. I had a client 20 years ago, it was a husband and wife, and uh, their consultant called me up and said, uh, Art, I have to tell you, they're not reporting cash. And I said, oh, okay, what are we talking about? This is about eight to $9,000 a month. So I said, that's six figures. And, she, and the consultant says, well, what do you want to do? I said, let's come into my office. And they come in. And I, uh, after a little bit of small talk, I said, you're probably wondering why I called you in here. And they said, yeah. And I said, well, this is what my friend, the consultant is telling me. And 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 I said, is this true? And And the the doctor's wife said, nod the head, yes. And I said, can I ask you why? He said, well, because you'd make us pay taxes on it, Art. <laughs> Hello, McFly. So what I did was I said, I'm sorry to hear that. You're going to have to find a new CPA because you got to remember, folks, not only Don and Scott, but you sign your tax return under penalty of perjury. They put people who commit tax fraud in prison. And they are very serious about that. So I would not. I would heed uh, these two gentlemen's advice about reporting all your income. All right. So, Don, um, let's talk about the deadlines. I mean, April 15th this year to file personal taxes, right? Was that the deadline? Dang. Shut up. All right. So anyway. but well, um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not used to that because the past two years, it's not been April 15th. Good luck. No, so. it's, it's, it's not. I, been, I, but, wait, I keep waiting for Let's talk about extensions. Let's talk about, uh, I mean, you know, everybody. we have doctors. Both of you guys have doctors who say, you know, I, I don't want to file an extension uh, or I want to file an extension because I, there's less of a chance I'm going to get audited. So, so I mean, is, is there anything wrong with filing an extension? And, and, and what do you have to do in extensions and extension of time uh, to, to, to file your return? But, but what? Not to, you still have to pay your taxes? Talk about how that all works. Still have to pay. Yeah. So I, I've actually, over 30 years, I've heard two schools of thought. I've had clients go, I want an extension because I feel it's a less likely chance of an audit. I've had people say, I want to file because there's a less likely chance of an audit. Where they got this information from, it's usually one of their buddies. I have never heard anything from an official standpoint that either one promotes an audit more than the other. So, you know, the extensions uh, are going to go out for almost all business and personal returns either on by March 15th or April 15th. And, uh, yeah, Art's right that once that extension is filed, whatever you expect to owe for that return should be sent in by that date. Because what will happen is whatever you didn't send in that whenever the return is done and shows as being due, the clock will begin ticking on late payment as well as interest. So you certainly want to make a valid attempt. And, and technically, extensions are supposed to only be valid if you made a good faith effort to calculate an amount due and you send it in. And not to say that always happens because a lot of cases we don't always have information for a client. We kind of we're either winging it or it's just zero. But the goal is really to have enough to do a valid attempt at coming up with that amount that to, to save you those dollars on interest and penalty. So, Scott, do we have – I know at the end of the year they were trying to pass this Build Back Better, which had a whole bunch of tax provisions. Anything new that our dentist should be looking at that they maybe didn't have to face it for the 2020 tax return, but now they're facing for 2021? Is there anything uh, anything new that you can so think of? Maybe to bounce off of Don's comments for the extension, um, okay. you know, I haven't I haven't been a big fan of filing extensions for everybody. I know there's there's different schools of thought there, but you know, from all the madness that's happened over the last couple of years with last minute changes and uh, tax law, uh, you know, changes midstream and so forth. Um, you know, there's a strategy around extending your tax return, even if you do file it on time. Um, I think you should still file your uh, or file the extension if you're an S corp or you're a partnership because there's ability to do what's called a superseded tax return. And so if you file one of those, a uh, superseded tax return rather than amended return, you can make changes with elections and uh, other types of positions on your tax return that you can't do it in an amended return. So. I think it's wise from a pass-through standpoint for S corporations and partnerships, which most businesses out there are, to really file an extension, even if you do file the tax return on time. So don't be nervous if your CPA filed an extension 
or maybe it gets you done a couple days after the deadline because you know with the partnership audit rules that changed a couple of years ago those are painful to amend uh, partnership tax return and so if you file any of those just know that extending a partnership filing is probably the best choice that you can make outside of filing your tax return on time so um, and, and I'll jump really on that little too because we actually talked about this week or next week that part of our extension process is just to do a mass we call we wouldn't call it a stealth extension just getting them all yeah. out of the system and there's a way that we found out we can do that to do exactly what you said because to do a superseded return is much easier than what the rules they put on us for amended returns but we're just trying yeah. to give us the opportunity to do that. Yeah, saves so, our clients' fees. Uh, superseded returns are much easier to file than amended returns. Yep. Um, and it saves you from other, you know, potential pain and anguish down the road from filing an amended return. Yeah. Uh, but going back to your question, Art, what were we, uh, what were we talking about? Uh, any, anything What's new you, that everybody yeah. should be looking at? Well, number one, if you had a meals and entertainment add back in prior years, maybe the non-deductible meals of a couple thousand bucks or a thousand bucks, well. You know, maybe that probably shouldn't be an ABAC this year because they are trying to support the restaurant industry and are allowing 100% uh, deduction rather than a 50% deduction on any meals for business purposes uh, that you're getting at a restaurant or you're getting from takeout. You can't uh, capture that deduction for maybe some snacks that you bought from uh, the store down the street to put in the uh, office fridge uh, for yourself. But um, more than likely, the meals, you shouldn't have any kind of ad backs this year. Um, and I think that's going to catch a lot of other CPAs. A lot of them follow, same as last year. But, you know, make sure that that you're looking at your tax return with your CPA. And and if that's an ad back, uh, probably ask why. And uh, so, so Don, I, I hear the IRS is having some problems. They don't have enough people. What, what's going on at the IRS that, that we should be, that, that everybody needs to know about? Let me just jump on Scott's thing. The, oh, and the I'm other, sorry. the other. Well, oh no, it's just uh, it was interesting. That was one of the things. We I took over your about. podcast, sir. Sorry about That's that. That's right. Just be quiet. Scott of Dental Finance and Management. All right, I'll, I'll, I'm going to go get a cookie or something. Right, go ahead. Well, what's funny is the. Uh, I hate the, you guys. Go ahead. The state <laughs> we're in like. The state we're in like California. So going to Scott's point is they didn't always adopt. Not every state adopted the rules that the Fed did. So yeah. you take that example of the uh, meals and entertainment uh, meals, which is what Scott was talking about. Well, the state of California said, all right, so while you might have deducted 100% of meals on your federal return, we as the state of California will only allow this 50% from the same rule from years ago. But then you had the converse. A few years back, the Fed said, no more entertainment. You know, you're going to take a client out to take them golfing or something of that nature, uh, take them to a sports event. Well, now the entertainment is not deductible. Well, California is still under the 50-50. So you could possibly, in a state like ours, have reduced your meals back down to 50%, but increase that zero entertainment back up 50%. So it's just a – My head hurts. You, 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 pick, I, yeah, you pick a state and who knows what they are. So, so let's talk about 2022. So we're going to get the stuff in for 2021. Folks, please, please, you know, I, I, you know, take a week, take a Saturday, um, you know, get your stuff in and then, you know, it's going to make it better. You're going to get a better result, joking aside from your CPA, whether it's us or somebody else. If you send your stuff in, in the middle of February, end of February, uh, because we're going to be a little, you know, we're not going to have everybody banging on our heads to do this. But let's talk about 2022, Scott. I mean, uh, you know, what it, it's it's February now. We, we're at the beginning of the year. What should people be thinking about for 2022 planning? I mean, what do you do to plan for your clients at the beginning of the year? And then, Don, I'm going to hit the end of the year with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So right now it's okay. What's the the plan for this year, and not just this year, 2022, but 23 and beyond? Um, you know, I like to look at the business as a whole, but then also, okay, what's this, the side effects tax purposes? So a lot of these group practices out there that are expanding, and there's heavy TIs that they're putting into place and a lot of equipment purchases. And we might have used a bonus depreciation for all of that in the past. You know, California has their limitations, obviously. And so se- Section 179 might be more valuable in California. That's also capped at about a million bucks of additions each year. But bonus depreciation 
that's another area of the tax code other outside of 179. And uh, that allowance is 100% deductible the year you purchase the fixed assets. But that's actually trickling down to 80% in 2023 and then 60% in 2024 and then 40% in 2025 and so forth. So just be on the lookout for that long-term planning because tax laws are changing even though, or excuse me, the tax benefits are changing even though there's no tax law changes because of the TCGAA, Trump's tax cuts that he put into place you know, four years ago. You know, the QBI, the 199A is going away in a couple of years. So you got to look long-term. What's the, what's the uh, prospects for the practice and what are all these moving parts? So try to get that multi-year projection in your head and talk to your CPA about that. So Don, walk through kind of what what the process is. I mean, I know Scott, you you, you guys both look at where you at the beginning of the year. Go down to October, November, December. We get past October fifteenth, the last extension date. We think, okay, we take a little bit of a breather, and then we get into planning season, and then we meet with every one of our clients. And doctors, if you're not meeting with your CPAs, and you know my podcast is not an advertisement for our services, but if you don't meet with your CPA at the end of the year, you need to meet with your CPA. You're leaving thousands of dollars on the table. So, Don, what what do you do in preparation for a year-end meeting? Because this is important stuff. Yeah, and to be honest, the end of the year, um, right after a couple of weeks off, it's for the most part, the rest of November, December is getting together. And I'm going to say, by and large, it's probably 80 to 90% of our client base. Uh, you know, some decide, you know, that things are going on, too busy, can't contact us. And Mark's right, it's nice to get together. It, it could be as involved as you want it to be. It could be very superficial, but just talking through what's going on because there could be something that we could identify that's worth considering before the end of the year comes. Because in a lot of respects, taxes end on December 31st. There's very little you can do post-December 31st. So having that talk about it beforehand, helpful. So what we end up doing is we get our clients' information together. Usually it's the S-Corp information. We, we tie in, get a financial that we can work with. We talk to, the, talk to the clients, find out what is it you expect to happen for the rest of the year? Income, expenses, payroll, bonuses, uh, what things are you gonna buy? And we talk about the issues for that year. I mean, this year, like the past couple, is just laced with a bunch of stuff. Did you get your PPP2 forgiveness filed for? You know, did you address possible ERTC you know, you know, yet, or will you be doing it? You know, maybe you did or didn't pay back your idle, uh, the, the loan from 2020. So there's just some housekeeping issues. There's some um, planning issues, strategic issues that, you know, and in the end, sometimes there's great things you end up doing that definitively you identify as helpful many times we sit there and we and we have some things that we want to clean up by the end of the year but we just simply are able to look forward and go what is it that you should expect to see in april four or five months out what we certainly don't want to avoid at the very least or we want to avoid at the very least is you getting that tax return in april and going holy crap i owe twenty five thousand dollars seventeen thousand dollars whatever it might be But if we're able to look forward because of what we know and what's coming down the pike in this current year, we could at least plant the seeds and prepare for that. So that's what the projection season is all about. Yeah. And one of the things is is we get, and the three of us have gotten over the years, you got, uh, I'm not going to say close to 100 years of experience, but uh, pretty damn close. Um, <laughs> three quarters of that's from you, Art, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I hate you. I really do hate you. you know that. <laughs> Why did I have you on my podcast? This is terrible. Um, uh, but but the fact of the matter is, folks, you, you don't have a legal obligation to pay one dime more than what the law says that you need to pay. And we have a saying, pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. If you really, really take advantage, folks, in this Build Back Better bill, There's $80 billion in there to go after people that are breaking the tax law and to beef up the IRS's audits. And they have to because they just doled out about eight to ten trillion dollars. They got to find a way to pay some of that. They can't keep running this deficit up this way every year, or uh, I don't know, it's not going to be pretty. But, um, uh, you know, if the, the number one way, guys, that we get new clients, I truly believe, is is how many calls have you gotten from a doctor? Just, oh, my God, I just finished my taxes. 
And I didn't know I had to pay $83,000 and I got one week's notice. I mean, that's the part about the planning part is that, you know, we, we can do two things, right? We can, we can give everybody notice if they're going to owe money, how much they're going to owe and give them six, nine months of notice about it. We, we meet with them in November. They've got till April to pay the taxes in most cases, but we can also try and reduce. And that's the part of right. tax planning, right guys? Exactly. Agreed. Yeah. So uh, anything else that we should be sharing with our doctors about April 15th and getting ready for this process and what, what we can do to, to help them and, and save them, maybe save them some money. Any, any last thoughts? I, I really appreciate your time today. I think, I think looking uh, not only at the, the federal changes that we've gone through the last couple of years, uh, but also the states. And it's kind of a combination of the two, actually, where uh, there was a salt cap of $10,000. So an ability to deduct, deduct your real estate taxes and your income taxes, your state income taxes on your federal income tax return. So that's been capped out to essentially uh, most taxpayers out there. Uh, that are making over a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. So if you're making over that and you own your own business, you're not getting at a, every benefit of that dollar that you're paying in uh, state taxes. So a lot of states are uh, putting together a workaround for that, and it's been blessed by the IRS. And so be on the lookout and talk to your CPA about that. <clears throat> it's not only California, but a lot of the states are moving in that direction. Here in Colorado, we're doing the same thing in 2022. And I think Oklahoma, Wisconsin. Maryland, I think I've had it in place for the last year or so. And so there is an opportunity to deduct every dollar of your state income taxes. And and some CPAs might have been putting you on hold because the Build Back Better program, they're supposed to make some changes to that $10,000 limit. So you don't want to do a bunch of extra work and then you know the bill passes and and now you're not even subject to that limit. <clears throat> but But that's something to be focused on because it could save you tens of thousands of dollars uh, for federal income tax purposes. So that's a big deal that's out there. And I know, Don, in California, we have what's it, AB 150. We have a lot of listeners in California. How does that work? Yeah, so the AB 150 was the state's regulation that was put into place and really is the, the state's version of what they call the pass-through entity tax. And you know, as Scott said, many states have gone that route. I think they're pushing 20, 25 maybe at this point in some form or very close to it. But it's about that whatever the taxable income is going to be in the state of California, you got to, you're going to pay 9.3%. Um, you know, in the beginning, it's it was uncertain. Do you pay a little bit? Do you pay more or less? What happens? But in the end, you got to pay exactly 9.3%. If you pay more, then the debate is, while we're trying to figure this all out, what happens to that extra money? Likely going to be refunded or applied to the next year. If you pay too little, then you're going to have to make it up when you file the return. The thing is, they want that 9.3% by March 15th. So imagine if I'm not able to do that return, Art, uh, that 9.3%, we're going to have to take a pretty good shot in the dark. And if we're short... By the time we do the return, summertime, September 15th, interest and penalty will have ran on that money. So we're all feeling our way through this particular process. And I think many of us were timid early on. Back in the fall, as it came out, we really didn't know how to approach it. We had a lot of unanswered questions. Uh, um, AMT is what's considered to be one of those things that could pop up. Um, The deduction itself, there there are certain purists in the tax law that said if the the amount of tax is not fixed and determinable, and a lot of times that can't happen until a return is done. If you make a payment by the end of that tax year, is deductible. So while we sent money out by December 31st, there were some that weren't sure is it deductible because you're just sending in quote unquote an estimate, a deposit. But we think that a lot of our clients, clients, the ones that are cash basis, not accrual basis, uh, are going to get that deduction. And whatever we do in 2022 for the 21 return would also allow that to be a deduction. It would just be in the next year, but based off of that same tax year. So that would just be a timing issue. But we're going to be talking to clients about that. Do they want to participate in that program? And we're probably going to do that in conjunction with the extension. So that's part of what I'm going to be looking at here in the next week or two is to talk to clients about this particular process and see if they if they're interested in trying to get a deduction through this versus one that they can't get at their personal tax return level. It's crazy. It keeps changing. I mean, I've been, I've been doing tax. Re- I, the first year I did tax returns, 
let's see, I moved to California in 1975. I went to work for the first guy I worked for, Larry Shipley, in 1977. I mean, it, it's been, I, I think, you know, 44 years since I've been, It's and it changes all the time. Was that when you did it by hand? Yeah, that's no. We did. We actually. What we would have is so, guys. We have. So no, that was actually yeah. that was actually stone knives and bear skins. Exactly. The abacus, not a ten yep. key. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep. yep. Someday you'll be old, Scott, and your kids will call you old, and you won't have hair like me. So there you go. But 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 I mean, uh, it's it's changed. I remember when we used to have to go and input. We input the stuff into our big, you know, mini computer. They called it. Um, and then we would basically uh, send it to the processing center in our town, and then we'd get it back. And if there was one mistake, we had to go and do it and send it all the way back. Now we do it in-house, but it's uh, it, it's changed a lot. And like in dentistry, technology has uh, definitely come to the accounting profession. Well, listen, guys, I, I want to tell you, I really, this is fun. I wish we could do this for hours. And, um, you know, again, folks, uh, we are. I'm going to let each of these guys give out their contact information here in a second. Um, we are so appreciative of the opportunity to serve the dental profession. Uh, I've been in the dental profession for 38 years. I will tell you that the dentists are some of the most wonderful human beings that I have ever met. You guys save lives. You change lives for the better. And we are honored and humbled, joking aside, to to work with you, to help you, uh, get to your business and personal financial goals. So, uh, Mr. Haberman, uh, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you and uh, you know talk to you about taxes or Washington football, whatever it is, uh, how to what's your contact information? So, I think the best way to contact me is just give me a call nine seven zero nine 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 eight nine three two. My email's too long to stay on the air; it'll take all night. Uh, it's probably worse <laughs> than arts. <laughs> Yeah, we're about the same. So, uh, Don, how to have what? What's your contact? You have a shorter name than we do, so you might want to give that out. I do, and a good thing our our firm keeps us pretty consistent between how our our emails appear. So it's first initial last name, so D Watson, and just like Art, it's going to be at idbailey.com. and my direct phone number at the office is six five seven two seven nine three two seven three. Fantastic. Uh, my good friend, Scott Haberman and Don Watson, thank you for your great expertise, for all you do for our dentists, um, for your friendship. It's really fun to hang out with you guys. Um, I have never, you know, I see Don on a regular basis. I have never met Scott other than on a computer screen. So we are keeping our fingers and toes crossed that for the first time in two and a half years and end of April and, uh, in Napa, California, that we're going to have a meeting of the Academy of Dental CPAs. Uh, Mr. Haberman, hopefully I'll get to give you a big hug and uh, maybe buy you an adult beverage or something while we're there. You'll really enjoy our meetings. We really have a good time. Um, and so thank you both guys. Hang with me as I take the podcast out. Uh, right. Folks, I want to again remind you to to go on to our partner De- uh, Decisions and Dentistry's website, www.decisionsanddentistry.com. Uh, great clinical content, 140 continuing education courses for a very reasonable annual fee. Uh, go to their website. Go to the website of the Academy of Dental CPAs, www.adcpa.org. Um, give us a call at Ide Bailey. We are here to help you. We are taking new clients, and and we'd love to help you if you you know if you. I always tell people. If you have a really good CPA and you have a good relationship and they're doing all the stuff that that we do for our clients and that we're talking about, there may not be a need to change. But if you're not getting the service that you think you deserve to get and you're, you're, you think you're paying too much and you're not having these conversations like we've been talking about the last hour, you should give one of these guys a call. They do a really good job. Uh, remember uh, to make sure that you file before March 31st on the HHS Provider Relief Funds portal if you need some help uh, with that. That's something that I'm doing. My uh, direct number is 657-279-3243. And I'm at A. Wiederman, W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N, at idbailey.com. With that, folks, I want to thank my good friends, Don and Scott, uh, for coming on the podcast. Uh, I want to please. You know, I want to thank you for the honor and the privilege of your time. Please tell your friends about our podcast. Please write a review. 
Um, you can download our podcast through many of the, uh, you know, Apple or uh, all the other uh, ability, all of the other technological things that I probably don't understand. Uh, you can download our podcast. And we have thousands of people that listen every single month to our podcast. And, and we thank you for that. And with that, folks, uh, this is Art Wiederman for the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. The Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast is produced by Ide Bailey in partnership with Art Wiederman, CPA, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, and the Academy of Dental CPAs. For audience questions and feedback, email Art Wiederman, awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. Or you may call Art at 657-279-3243.